0: Is it on? There we go. Before we start this morning, let us just bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, as we sang this worship song this morning, we trust in your unfailing love. We are so blessed to know that you love us. Father, that you first loved us. And therefore, we have the freedom to love you. Lord, I ask you that this morning, when we talk about the, how we exercise godly authority, that you will lead us in your Holy Spirit. That you will guide us through your word. And that you will support us through your unfailing love. And Lord, we ask you that you will protect us, and that you will place a wall of fire around us this morning to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. And We honor you and we praise you in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The theme for this morning is Exercising Godly Authority. Now we are currently investigating the principle of godly authority which is in line with our theme for this year. And our theme for this year is prepare for battle. And in this battle that we find ourselves in, it is very important that we are prepared. But one of the things that we need to understand is godly authority and how we exercise not only what godly authority is, but how we exercise this godly authority. And as part of our preparation for this, We need to understand what godly authority is, where we can exercise it, and where we can rule by it, because there are certain areas of our lives where we can rule in godly authority, and we need to understand where those areas are and what they mean to you and I. Now, Father gave us the authority to rule, and unless we apply it into our lives, we will never be able to walk in the freedom and the victory that God has given to us. Now, we sang the song, We Live in Victory. He's given us the victory. But unless we take up that authority of God, unless we live in that authority that he has given us, we will never experience that freedom and we will never experience that victory that he has offered to us. Now, earlier this year, we specifically identified the enemies of godly authority. And, and I think we did that over two sermons, over two messages. We looked at all the enemies of, uh, of, the godly, of godly authority and then two Sundays ago, we actually learned what godly authority really is. And and I spoke to you about that because it is important that we understand godly authority to know how we can live in godly authority and that authority that He's given to us um, and how we use that in our lives, in our everyday lives. And we must remember that godly authority refers to the power... And the authority, because there's a power aspect to that, because Yeshua says that very clearly, that he's given us the power, and in that word power, remember we spoke about exousia, the the Greek word for power, it also means authority, the authority that we were given. The other thing that we need to understand from from a biblical perspective is that God talks to us, or Yeshua specifically talks to us, about the kingdom of God and inheriting the kingdom of God. And for many years, people have believed that the kingdom of God and inheriting the kingdom of God is a place that we are going to. But if we look at the Greek word for kingdom, it is the word basileia, and if we look at the word basileia, it means the authority to rule. So it is not a place where we go, it is a condition that we find ourselves in, and that condition is living in godly authority, and that is what it is really all about. So it refers to the power and authority which Yeshua acted in, because that is the example. Our example is always Yeshua. And it is the same power and authority that he conveys to you and I to act in godly authority while we are living here on earth. Because this is, this is the time where we need to live in godly authority. You know, we can all sit back and say, Yeah, yeah you know, one day when we in heaven and one day when we're with Father and we live in, uh, on this new earth and this new heaven that is going to be created, we will then have godly authority. No, he's given it to us now for what we need to do here while we are Here on earth. And this is the power and the authority that each believer receives at rebirth. That is when it is given to us at rebirth. So what do we need to do? Firstly, we must believe it. Secondly, we must receive it. And thirdly, we need to live in it. It becomes a really important aspect of our lives. Unless we do that, we will never receive the godly authority that Yeshua has given to us. And there are specific areas where we can exercise this authority. And this morning, I want to discuss those areas. And I call them areas of influence. Because you and I have an influence in this world. We have an influence in various areas. And and those are the important areas where we can exercise this godly authority that we have been given. Now, there are four areas of importance There could be other areas, but these are the four areas of importance. And if you really look at them, it encompasses every other thing that happens within our lives. But but these are the four. Now, the first one is my personal life. I can exercise godly authority within my personal life. And the important thing with regards to that is, is that, if we understand that process and how we can exercise that godly authority in our personal lives, our whole attitude towards life and towards people and towards God and towards everything else will change. And I will actually spend some time in a specific, in one message that I will give to you, a follow-up sermon or a sermon in the future, where I will only talk about the godly authority and how to exercise the godly authority within our personal lives. The second one is in the family, because you and I have influence within our families. And, and we need to start there. It is, it is where salvation starts and, and where renewal starts is within, within me as a person and then within the family as well. The third aspect is the congregation, because we can exercise our godly authority while we are together as a congregation. and We see that throughout the New Testament that is being echoed by Paul and, and the other disciples that we need to exercise this authority within the congregation or it's sometimes it is translated in the Bible as in the church. But it is really in the congregation. That is the real word for it. And then the fourth one is in our community because we live in communities and you and I have influence within our community so we need to exercise godly authority in, those, in our communities as well. So let us start to focus then on on the last three. So the three that I'm going to focus on this morning is the family, and the congregation, and in the community. Because these become really important to you and I. Now, let's look at the family first. It is very important to understand that God created a hierarchy within the family. The world would like to tell you that there is no such thing as a hierarchy within the family. God created a hierarchy in the family. And then if we look at God, God is a God of order. And it is important for you and me as believers to follow the order that he has created. If you and I live outside of that that order that God has created, we will have a really, really sad life because there's a reason why God created the order it applies to every aspect of our lives but in this instance in the family unit it is it becomes really important now let me tell you if we don't follow God's order we will experience turmoil instability and confusion in our lives and specifically in the family and let me tell you one thing i speak to many many parents or many couples married couples And when we talk about their families, when we see what happens within their families, when there is turmoil and disaster and confusion within those families, the first thing that I normally look at is what is the godly order within those families. And where there's no godly order, we see absolute chaos within a family environment. Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians, let me just reload the, the slides there. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33. Paul says says to us, for God is not the author of confusion. And if you look at that Greek word confusion, and you go study, you can look at Esau, and you go look at the the strong's word the greek word it will tell you it is instability and disorder so god is not the author of confusion or instability of disorder but of peace as in all churches or congregations of the saints now this is important he says number one there needs to be order and where there's order there's peace so paul is informing us that by the presence of god And in our submission to him, we will experience peace and order because he is the author of peace. And isn't that what we want in our families? Isn't that what we want in in the congregation and in our communities? Is that we want peace. But when we talk about this peace, it's not a worldly definition of peace. It is a godly definition of peace. Because peace starts within our hearts. And this applies to the family, the congregation, and it applies to the community. And wherever godly authority is exercised, we will find peace. Because that is what the Word tells us. That is what Paul is indicating here. And as believers living in godly authority, it is our duty to discern where there is disorder and ensure that Father's order is implemented within our family. Now I will show you now, the role of the father within the family, the role of the husband, the role of the man within the family, is to create this order in the family, and to establish the peace. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3, it says, But I uh, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And I don't think we have a problem with that. And the head of the woman is the man. Now, the world has a big problem with that one. Some believers do. But this is what Paul tells us. And listen carefully, and I'll explain it now, don't worry about it. And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Because we are all responsible to our Father first. And Yeshua is God, and He is the Son of God, and He came to show us the way. He came, He is our salvation, and therefore we adhere to Him, we submit to Him. You see, Yeshua is the head of all authority, because the word says, and Yeshua says, all authority was given to me. So he is the head of all authority, and every believer, whether male or female, must first submit to the authority of Christ before they can submit to anything else. Because if we don't understand how to submit to Christ, we will never understand how to submit to one another, which is another instruction in the Bible to you and I. So we need to submit to the authority of Christ. And then it says, the man is the head of the woman. And listen very carefully to this. It is not to rule over her. Because we think that when we're in authority and we're the head of something, we need to rule over people. We don't rule over people. So it was never, never implemented and this this whole submission, the woman submitting to the man was never to rule over her but for her protection and for her covering. And I wish men could understand this. Why God did this so you can protect and cover your wife so that she can be safe. You know, there's an interesting verse in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 24 verse 5, I think it is. You can look it up quickly. And it says there, and I'll use my own words, that a man in the first year of his marriage, when a man is newly married, he is not allowed to go to war. And it says for the first year of marriage, they shouldn't give him anything to do. Because for the first year of his marriage, he needs to give joy to his wife, the wife that he has taken. And I wonder how many of us had, has ever done that, all the, all the married guys. Have you, did you do that? Well, for those of you who are not married yet, that's what you're supposed to do. Why? Because she was protected by her father. And now you take her away from her home, and you now need to be her protection. You now need to be her covering. And she needs to feel safe, and she needs to be, feel loved within your covering. That's why she submits under you. Remember how Yeshua exercised his authority while he was here on earth. He never ruled over everybody. He protected them. He was the Savior. He came to save us. It's very important that you and I understand that. And what do we see here about the submission, the woman submitting under the man? It is order. And, And let me explain to you how this order works. It first starts, Father sends his son Yeshua to redeem man. He sent His Son to be the salvation of man. Christ comes and lays down His his life for the world. We sang that song this morning. John 3.16, what a beautiful song. He laid down His life for the entire world, but you and I need to accept that. We need to appropriate it. Make it our own. And every person who receives salvation, confesses that Yeshua is the Lord, and that is always to the glory of the Father. And now is an important thing. So what happens now? This is still within this process of the order. So God sends Yeshua. Yeshua is our salvation. We then submit to Yeshua, and every believing man acknowledges that he represents the character of Yeshua and he rep- represents the character of Father here on earth within his family. And every believing woman will acknowledge that God has placed her in a dependence on and subjection to her husband, to the man. And listen very carefully women are not supposed to submit to all men. Amen. Listen carefully to what I'm telling you. This is really important. There are men out there that think they can rule over any woman regardless of who they are. It's not biblical. And I'll I'll show you now. It's coming soon. (laughs) The authority, listen carefully, the authority is for the sake of order and the elimination of confusion. I'm going to say this again. The authority is for the sake of order and the elimination of confusion. That's why we need godly order. And you and I cannot walk in godly authority unless we submit to the order of God. And then he says that the husband needs to be the head of the wife, just as Yeshua is the head of the church and God is the head of Yeshua. What does it mean? What does this head mean? Listen to this. The head is that portion of the body that gives direction. My question to the men this morning is this Are you close enough to Yeshua to enable you to give direction to your family and exercise godly authority so that peace will reign in your home? Are we that close to Yeshua? You see, the husband must first submit to Yeshua because he is our primary authority. And the result of this is that we as men should love our wives. That is an instruction. If you don't believe me, I just wrote it to you, De- Deuteronomy 24 verse 5. Go read that. It's just an amazing verse in the Bible. It gives a whole new meaning to, to what it means to be a husband and to be a man in my family. But listen to what Paul says. And this is such a well-known verse, or few verses in the Bible. I think everybody can quote them, but but I want to read this to you. This is very important for the family. Paul writes in in Ephesians 5, verse 22 to 25, he says, wives, so he's talking to the wives specifically. He's going to talk to the husbands now, don't worry. The wives has got the easy part. Listen to this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, do you hear that? Your own husband. Not to every man, to your own husbands. As unto the Lord. And here's the, 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 the important aspect of this. Is that it's always in relation to Yeshua. Whatever we do on earth needs to be in relation to our relationship with Yeshua. So that's why he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and even as Christ is, the head, uh, Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. This is still important for the men to understand. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And when he says in everything, he means in everything which is not contrary to the word and to the will of God. It needs to be in line with the will of God. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So to the men who thinks that they need to be served by their wives, you've got a big problem. Because the moment that you think that and you do that, you are not living in line with the instructions of the Bible. Because Paul says that we are to give ourselves for our family, give ourselves for our wives. It's an important concept. Just as Yeshua put the congregation first, men are supposed to put their wives and their family first. And so often I see relationships Marriages, where the man thinks he's the most important person in that marriage and everything is about him and he doesn't care about the rest. No, you need to put your wife and your children first. And just as Yeshua served the congregations, husbands also ought to serve the family. Just as Yeshua loves the congregation unconditionally, husbands are supposed to love their wives and their family unconditionally. And we're talking here about, when we talk about this love, it is that word agape in the Greek. And that word agape is not an emotion, it's something that I do. It means unselfish and sacrificial behavior. So how I treat people. There's a guy by the name of John Wooden. Now John Wooden is a famous American basketball coach. And he was also an inspirational speaker. Very successful, very, very successful American basketball coach. And he said something that is very profound. He said, the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. I want to say this again. The best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. It is important that our love, our unsufficial, unsufficial, I've I've just created a new word, unselfish and sacrificial behavior for one another be unconditional. And it is a choice that you and I make. It's something we choose to do. It's not something that I feel that I should do. It is a choice. Whether you feel feel like it or not, it is a choice that you need to make. It is an instruction from Yeshua that we need to love one another. And the wife must be submissive to the husband, but there must also be mutual subjection. And I'll speak about the mutual subjection when we come to the congregational thing. But within the family, you'll understand the mutual submission is because of that love we have towards one another. And in love, because love is an unselfish, sacrificial love, that is why there's a, a mutual submission to one another in love. Not in the roles that we have, that, that were established by our Father, but in the love that we have for one another. The Greek word for submit is the word hypotasso, of hupotasso, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And that is an interesting word because if you look at the meaning of the word hupotasso, yes, it means submission, but it also means to graciously cooperate of the headship of the home because God has placed the man as as the head of the home. And now what he's saying is the wife needs to cooperate with the husband to make the family work and to create peace within the family. Because if we want godly authority within our families, there needs to be peace and there needs to be submission. Submission is an ethical theme that governs, the spectrum of the new testament and everywhere that you read within the new testament yes it is in the old testament as well we read a lot about submission but specifically within the new testament the whole new testament is about submission how we submit to god how we submit to one another how we submit to the word how we how we submit through love and in love it is an attitude It is an attitude that is necessary for all believers, men as well as women, fathers as well as children, masters as well as slaves, and we don't have slaves anymore, or we can say uh, masters as well as workers. You see, we are commanded to live a life of submission because Yeshua lived a life of submission. I urge you to go and read Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8. And in Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8, he submitted to mankind to enable him to die on the cross. And you can read the words yourself. And think carefully about this. When Paul says this to to the congregation in, in, in Ephesians 5, when he talks to them about submission and the wife submitting to the husband, and he talks about other submission, we're going to read another verse with regards to that later on. But the moment he does that, we see that the command is not there because they were not submissive people. They were. They understood what submission meant. They lived in a community where they understood submission. So it was not as though they were not submissive. Paul encourages voluntary submi- subjection or sub- uh, submission. Listen carefully. Voluntary. Not because it was their duty, but it, because it was appropriate in Yeshua. And that's the difference. Because he wants us to be to live submissive lives, so now it's not just a command for us to live by, but an example of what submission to Yeshua actually means and what it looks like. And what, what most women don't realize is that there is an enormous freedom in submission. And uh, some of you who uh, who attended our Our marriage seminar, I talk a little bit about the submission within the marriage seminar sometimes. There is an enormous freedom within submission. And when the wife allows her husband to fulfill his role in marriage, she is free to fulfill her role that God has placed her in. And then she does not have to take on all the responsibilities of the household. Then she's free to do other things then she's free to do the things that God wants her to do. But we need to live in that order that God has created for us. You see, submission cultivates freedom through love. That's what it does. It's not binding. If we look at the worldly definition of submission, it's a binding thing. If we look at God's submission of, uh, or definition of submission, it is, it is freedom that we experience through the love that we have for one another. And we must always be in unity and agreement with one another and act in complete, unselfish and sacrificial love towards one another. That is the instruction that we have been given. And then we also see, and, and, and Paul also talks about the children and he talks to the children when he says that the children must obey their parents. It is really important that they must submit to their parents. And we see this in Ephesians 6 verse 1 to 4. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. And you, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as fathers, we should present an example of godliness to our children. We should be the example of a life of justice and service towards Yeshua and towards our families. Then we also need to ensure that we do not unnecessarily and deliberately tort or provoke or irritate or incite our children. Because we we can do that sometimes as fathers. And we need to be careful. We must educate our children educate them in the absolute ways of God and according to the word and the guidelines of Father Yahweh. And we see this in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 to 7. It says it says it very clearly. He says, God is speaking and He says, and these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. All the other times, you don't have to do it. Only those times. Only when you sit, and you walk, and you lie down, and when you rise up. And this is such a great responsibility that we have. I think it is one of the greatest responsibility that we have as parents, is to teach our children the Word of God so important. The second area of influence is in the congregation, within the congregation. And the most important aspect of, uh, aspect of authority within the congregation is that we as children of fathers should be in subjection to Yeshua. So it is the same applies to the family. First of all, we need to be subject, uh, uh, in, um, subject, in subjection to, to Yeshua, uh, to Christ, and obviously to Father as well. Now, Paul come and he clearly states in Ephesians 5 24 that the congregation or the church is to subject themselves to Yeshua. And he states that very clearly, so it is a little bit before the verses that we've, that we've just read. And before we can exercise any godly authority within the congregation, we need to learn how to subject ourselves to Christ. And at the beginning of Ephesians 5, when you go and read Ephesians 5, there's it is, it is a lot of sub- submission that actually reflects there. And when you read that, Paul is addressing the congregation, and he's encouraging them to walk in life. And he tells them how to love one another, etc., etc. And then he follows with this instruction in Ephesians 5, verse 20 to 21. He says, giving thanks always for all things unto God... And the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen what he says in verse 21 He says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Can you see that every time they talk about submission, it is in relation to God, it is in relation to Yeshua? That is how we need to understand this whole principle of submission. And if we understand submission and we begin to submit, then we can walk in godly authority. And the problem in church today is that everyone wants to be a leader. Everyone wants to be important. Everyone wants to be recognized. Everyone wants to be very spiritual and and, and important within the church. What we don't understand is we're all servants. You know, God never called any pastor to carry a title. He called them to be shepherds. He called them to look after his flock, their flocks. And that is a life of submission and a life of service, not a life of honor and praise, like some people think. See, everyone wants to preach and teach and prophesy. But that is not Godly authority. The importance of godly authority is to submit yourself first to Yeshua and then to one another. That is the instruction that Paul has just given us. And thereafter, we must submit to the Word of God, because the Word of God is important. Once you've submitted to Father, you have to submit to His Word. And Paul mentions this in the letter, in his letter to the Romans, and I'm going to read a few verses there. Are, I think four verses that I'm going to read to you from, from the, the Paul's letter to the Romans, or to the church or the congregation within Rome. And the first one is, uh, is Romans 2 verse 13. It says, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So, what we need to do is we need to start doing what God told us to do. We need to start listening to his word, we need to start acting upon his instructions. That's what Paul's saying. And then in Romans 7 verse 12, he says, Wherefore the law is holy, and and that word holy is interesting, it is given by the Holy Spirit, that's what it actually means. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Because it teaches us how to live in righteousness. In Romans 7.22, it says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And that inward man, if we go look at the definition of that, it talks about our soul, our conscience specifically. So with my conscience, I delight in the law of God, is what Paul is telling us. And then in Romans 7.25, is a, a critical verse for me. It says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. And what is this word mind? Let me tell you what this word mind is. In the Greek is the word nous. And when you look at this word nous, it means my intellect, my understanding, my rational mind. With my rational mind, and, and remember I spoke to you quite a few times with regards to the difference between our prefrontal cortex where all the rational things happen and our limbic system which is the entertainment center of the brain and that is where all the reactive um, processes take place and he says with my prefrontal cortex with my mind I serve the law of God and then he says but with the flesh the law of sin. And when he talks about the law the, with his flesh, he talks about the sensuous hum, human nature. He talks about carnality. He talks about our entertainment center. He talks about our limbic system. He says that is all emotional. And religion, or no, let me, let me rephrase, not religion. Relationship with God is a rational decision that we make. It's not about a feeling. It's a decision that you and I take. And therefore, it is so important that we understand what he's saying here. And we see there are two laws. There are two laws that apply to us as human beings. There's the law of God, which is the law of peace, and which is the law of grace. And then there's the law of death, which is which is sin. And, and there's a big difference between those two, and we need to understand that. We need to start living in obedience to the Word of God. If we do not live in obedience to the Word of God, we can never, ever experience godly authority. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11, Paul says that we are to study to be quiet. That's amazing. And, and for some of us, we understand that very clearly. And I won't name anybody else, but, but I'll take myself as an example because I like to talk a lot. <laughs> and, and Paul says, you must listen, or not listen, you must study to be quiet. Wow. Because you see, we talk so much that we don't even hear the word of God anymore. We don't even hear the voice of God anymore. We don't even hear, from a pastor's perspective, what the flock requires. We need to be quiet so we can listen to what is going on. So we can understand where we need to serve. That is godly authority. This means that we should be orderly and peaceful, living in the calm virtues of a righteous life, submitting to the leadership of the congregation. And if you don't believe me about that, go read Hebrews 13 verse 17. Well, you can go and read that whole section in Hebrews. Hebrews 13. You know, there are five areas of godly authority within the congregation or within the church that you and I need to function in. And I'm going to mention them very shortly. I'm just going to give you what that, what that area is. And then I'm going to give you the verse and we're going to follow on that. So, Yandre, you can, when, when we start with this, you don't have to go back to do the video. You can just follow on with the scripture. Thank you. So, let's look at the first one. The first one is wisdom. Wisdom. So we can exercise godly authority in the wisdom that we are given. And James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. So if you require wisdom, ask it of God and he shall give it to you. We are very confused with the difference between uh, what we call knowledge and wisdom. And some people think that if they know what the Word of God says, they have wisdom. No, you don't have. You only have knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the Word of God in your life. How to become a doer of the Word. When it is the appropriate time to use certain things that God has explained to us in His Word. Having the wisdom to know when to exercise godly authority. The second one. Righteousness. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 11 we see, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. And then he gives a couple of others that are really important as well. And it all applies to to the person who walks in godly authority. And he says, Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Number three, truth. It's In John seventeen seventeen. Yeshua says, sanctify them through your truth. He's praying to Father. He's praying for His disciples. He's praying for the believers. He says, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. You see, sometimes we think that we don't have to follow God's word. We have been set free from it, and it's not true. Because Yeshua says to us that God's word is truth. We need to follow the truth of the word of God. And that is how he says, sanctify them through your truth. Number four is the right attitude. Philippians 2 verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you. And this is important to look at this word mind because it's the word phroneo. And this word phroneo in Greek means your attitude and your understanding. So we can say, let this mind and this attitude and understanding be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then number five, joy. We see that in 1 Peter 1 verse 8 to 9. And Peter writes, he says, whom having not seen... You love, and he's talking about Yeshua, uh, to to the people, so you haven't seen him, you haven't seen Yeshua, you haven't seen God, but still you love him. In whom, though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And I just want to mention one thing about this little word here called end, receiving the end of your faith. Does that mean it brings an end to our faith? No. That word end is the word telos, and it means purpose. So what he's saying here is receiving the purpose of your faith. And this, again, is one of those instances where end does not mean finality. Because some people read the, the word and it says, this is the end of the law, and they say, that's it, you see? that has finished the law. No, it means it is the purpose of the law, just as this is receiving the purpose of your faith. And it is so important that we understand godly authority, that we follow it, that we appropriate it, and appropriation means to make it your own, and that we function within it. However, it is very difficult to step into our godly authority if we do not know what our identity, purpose, and destiny is. And, and I wanted to talk about identity, purpose, and destiny this morning just to explain it to you, but that is going to take a very long time because that is a message on its own, and I will do that in due time. I will speak about identity, purpose, and destiny to all of you. Because it's important that we understand this. And if I don't understand what my identity in God is, it is going to be very difficult for me to walk in godly authority. The third thing that we see, the area where we have influence in, the third one, is in the community. <laughs> and this is quite an interesting one, because I always think to myself, where shall I start with, with the community, walking in godly authority in the community? What is expected of us within our community? And the first thing that is expected of us is to obey the, obey the laws of the country. And this is probably one of the most difficult things we can do, because our tendency is to rebel against unfair instructions like paying various taxes and tolls and things like that. But it's the law of the country. And I'm not saying that we need to obey laws that are contrary to the law of God. First of all, you and I are responsible to the law and the instructions and the word and the will of God. And thereafter, we are responsible to the laws of the country, the country that we live in. We live in this country. We must obey the laws. If the law says you can only drive 120, you're only supposed to drive 120 on the highway where it is indicated, or 60 in town, or whatever the case may be. Peter comes and he says to us in 1 Peter 2 verse 13 to 14, He says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Do you know, the more I read the Bible, the more I see that everything that we do is always in relation to God, always in relation to Yeshua. And here he says it again, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by Him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. It's an instruction. You see, by our actions, we become an example of how Father wants us to live. We become an example to everybody else. If we don't follow the rules, if we go and just do whatever we want to, how do we show Submission to God. How do we show obedience to the law of God if we can't even obey the the laws of the country? Paul tells us in Romans 13 verse 8 that we should owe no man anything. He says, owe no man anything. And then he says, the one thing that we are allowed to do that we owe everyone is, is love. He says, but to love one another. That is such a beautiful scripture. And he says, for he that loves another has fulfilled the law. Because if we understand how love really works, you will see that by just loving somebody else, you actually obey every single law that God has ever instituted through the love that we have for one another. And this word to owe actually literally means to owe money to somebody or to to be in debt. And he says, don't go there. Don't be in debt. Don't, Don't owe anybody anything except to love them. Well, the same applies to the government. Not just to everybody else, because Paul tells us in Romans 13 verse 7, he says this, he says, Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And in Afrikaans Bible, that word custom to whom custom is actually toll to who, to, who, toll, who, 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 need, who requires toll. And you know, sometimes we don't think this is important, but if we don't follow the instructions, we are, we are actually becoming disobedient to Father. And then when we are disobedient to the Word of God and to His law, we cannot walk in His authority, and then He cannot bless us. The second thing that is expected of us that we will, is that within the community, is that we will set an example to everyone around us and to express the love of Christ to everybody. And it's very easy to do that to the people that we know, the people that we are fond of, the people that we love, the people that we are in relationship with. Even to the people in our congregation, it is very easy to do this towards them. But it becomes a little bit more difficult when we have to do it to the people we don't know or we don't relate to or we don't really like that much. But Yeshua says it applies to every person you come into contact with, whether good or bad, doesn't matter. And we are smiling because we had an interesting discussion yesterday when the men came together to pray together. Now, I won't mention what we said. Uh, maybe I'll save that for another sermon. No, I won't. But it is, it is just so important that we understand that process because Yeshua says to us the following in Matthew's 5, verse 43 to 45. Listen to this. He says, You have heard that it has been said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. That's a bit contrary to what we normally do, isn't it? And he says, here's the reason why you should do this. He says that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. He says, I told you to love everyone. Be respectful to everyone. Show godly love to every person that that you come in contact with. My question this morning is do we really behave like children of father who live in his authority? Let me let me ask you this question and you don't have to answer. But if you find yourself in a situation and you have a bit of a meltdown and you throw a bit of a tantrum In a place like, for instance, say you go shop and you stand in the checkers or in the spa or in the woodies or wherever, and something goes wrong and you throw this tantrum there. Are you showing people what the love of God is like? Are you showing them that you are a follower of Christ? Are you showing them how to act in godly authority? No, you don't. That's why this is so important. That's why this is such an important instruction for you and I. And then the question is, are we an example of how somebody lives who serves Yeshua, who serves our Father? Who lives in His authority? Who submits to His authority? And my question to you and I this morning is, what is your intention to change so that you can live in godly authority? Are you ready to make that commitment to God? You see, you and I have influence in our family, we have influence in our congregation, and we have influence in our communities. And I'm going to talk about the influence in our own personal lives as well later on, but we've got got influence in every one of those areas. And how we use that influence is critically important. How we use our godly authority within those areas are critically important. Yeshua expects each one of us to live in godly authority. And remember what I said, it relates to living a life of submission. The key to godly authority is to live in submission to Yeshua and to the Word of God and to Father Himself. And when we submit ourselves to God, we will have the authority to rule over the enemy, and we will have the authority to rule over our circumstances. But first we need to submit to Him. Godly authority is not controlling, it is serving Godly authority is not commanding, but it is obedience. Godly authority is not demanding, it is giving. Godly authority is not selfish, it is sacrificial. It is living in righteousness and holiness to Father Yahweh. That is what godly authority is all about. And our first priority is to ensure that we nurture our salvation. It is the most important thing for you and I as believers. Because if we nurture our salvation, we will start to live in godly authority. I want to close with the words Yeshua spoke. And I don't know if you remember, He sent out the disciples, and and the word says He sent them out two by two, two into into the, well, I was going to say the world, but into the known area that they were in. And He sent out His disciples, and then there were 70 of them that were sent out. And then they came back, and they reported back to Yeshua. And, In the words of Yeshua, he actually provides us with a key to walking and living in godly authority. And he says this in Luke 10, verse 70 to 20. And I'm going to close with this. Listen to what he says. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And then Yeshua speaks and listen to this. He says, And he said to them, I beheld Satan as light. Where am I now? And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you or unto you power, and that power is that word exousia, the authority as well. I give you unto you power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you and then in verse 20 he, he, he clarifies it he says notwithstanding and that word notwithstanding means but he says i give you the authority but in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven And that is looking after and nurturing our salvation. So let each one of us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to us. Our focus should be on Father God and Yeshua, and to live in submission to them. And When we do that, godly godly authority will follow, because godly authority follows obedience. Once we become obedient to him, we will then understand what godly authority really means. And may each one of us start living a life of submission so that we can live in his authority, in the authority that he has created for us, that we can live in that authority within our families, within our communities, within the congregation. And may that be true for everyone. Amen. Our Father, we come to you this morning thank you father for your word lord thank you that that you are teaching us through your word that we need to start living a submissive life in submission to you in submission to your word but also that we need to submit one to another that we will create that godly order that you have established in our lives that we will create it in our families in our congregations also lord that we will be able to create that in our communities So that we can experience peace instead of confusion that we can experience your love instead of chaos father i ask that you will start with me that you will start with each one of us individually so that we can come to a place of complete submission to you in order to be able to live in your godly authority we honor you and we thank you in the mighty name of yeshua our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.